Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 120. I hope everybody is having a fantastic week out there. We are having a great week as always over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. Uh, We have reached the end of our working year. This will be our last episode before the holidays. Uh, And of course, we'll be coming back to you in January, but I do want to take a moment to wish every single one of you a Merry Christmas uh, and Happy New Year, Happy Holidays to you and yours. Thank you so much for listening into the show in the year of 2020. It's been a real wild year with, (laughs) that's saying the very least that I could say here, but I do want to send my appreciation and gratitude to each and every one of you. Hey, we've got a great episode for you today. I'm going to be joined by Jeremy Brisky uh, from Low Boy Custom Beaters, and we're going to talk about uh, his life, uh, his company, uh, and we have a really good conversation about endorsements uh, in the music world. It's a very um, misunderstood subject, in my opinion, but we're going to be joined by Jeremy right after this message from our sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Los Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're going to be joined by my pal Jeremy Brisky over at Low Boy Custom Beaters. Um, If you're not familiar with Low Boy, um, they've been around for... Uh, six or seven years now, and I've been using their products for quite some time. Um, just a fantastic product. Uh, I 
I don't want to give away anything from the interview, but let me just say this. They took a very unique approach to something as simple as a bass drum beater and made them cool. Um, if you're not familiar with that company, you should go check them out. Their web address is lowboybeaters.com. Uh, and Jeremy's just a great dude. He's got tons of experience working with other instrument manufacturers. And we talked to him all about that. Um, but at his request uh, via social media, we had kind of a back and forth um, about endorsements and how they are so misunderstood. And it's kind of a taboo subject amongst musicians. It just doesn't get talked about enough. So we, the second part of our interview, we really talk about endorsements in the music business, and I think you're going to get a lot from this. So please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle, Jeremy Brisky. Hey, good afternoon, Jeremy. How's it going, brother? Hey, Jamie. I'm, I'm good, man. How are you? Well, I can't complain too much. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess, pre-holiday season as we're recording this. So, you know, kind of winding down the work year and getting ready for Christmas and all that good stuff. So no complaints. How about you? Yeah, same. You know, um, December is obviously pretty busy over here. So, you know, I, I don't have like the that mindset of someone, you know, like my former life working in an office where it's like, all right, December, I'm going to take it easy. Right. Like this is kind of <laughs> where things kick up a little bit. But um, another couple of weeks, I'll, I'll have uh, some more free time on my hands. Well, good deal. So, so lots of uh, stocking stuffer, uh, low boy custom beaters being ordered. I take it. It seems like it. Yeah, things things are uh, are going pretty good. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, you know, as you know, I've been using your stuff for you know a number of years now. Gosh, probably, man. I want to say four years, maybe five years. I mean, I I was in pretty quick after you guys started up over there. And, you know, so I will encourage all of my listeners now, if you haven't tried a low boy custom bass drum beater, you, you need to do yourself a favor and do so. Excellent, excellent stuff. So kudos to you guys. Thank you. You're welcome. So for, for, for the listeners that don't know, um, you know, you, you kind of come from a, a musical background, but give us the Reader's Digest version of, you know, where you grew up and how you got into, you know, the music world, as it were, um, you know, kind of kind of walk us up to the point of, hey, I'm going to strike out on my own and start Low Boy Custom Beaters. Yeah. Well, there's a lot in between those two things. Um, <laughs> there always <laughs> yeah, as you is, can right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I grew up in, in uh, Saginaw, Michigan, which is, you know, kind of like a middle sized town, I guess, you know, like a, a, a town that you know, first had its roots as like a lumber town and then a General Motors town while I was growing up. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I started playing drums just like anyone else you know in the sixth grade band um i took well i actually actually before that i i just i thought i wanted to play keyboards and like not piano like i wanted to play keyboards right yeah okay and yeah, so yeah. and i think that was in fifth grade and so um you know i asked for like a casio keyboard and i got it and you know my parents made me take piano lessons and it was like i i I liked playing it, but I didn't like 
the lessons part of it. You know, like I didn't really like <laughs> following the yeah. directions. Like I just like noodling around with it. Um, and then once sixth grade came around, it was where, you, you know, like a lot of schools, uh, especially back then where you either had to take band or you had to take choir. And um, I decided I wanted to take band and I thought drums out of, you know, out of all the options sounded the most fun. So uh, I started playing drums and I think for that first year I continued with like my keyboard lessons, but did drums and band at school. And then, um, I mean, once I started, it was like, you know, not a, not a tough decision to decide which instrument to continue on with. Sure. Now, did you immediately start asking mom and dad for a drum set or, or did that wait a little while? Um, I think I immediately started asking, but I, th- I think it was eighth grade before I got one, you know, they, and to their credit in hindsight, um, they probably treated treated my drumming the right way, you know, where it was like, you're going to start off with the practice pad and yeah. then you're going to get a snare drum. And then, um, I, and then I got, this is weird. I don't even remember why, but like I got some hi hats. And so I had like, I don't know, like six or nine months where all I had was just like a snare drum and a hi hat. And so I would just play with those. And then I think by eighth grade, and maybe it was for my birthday or Christmas or something, it was finally to the point where it was like, okay, he's serious about this and, and he really loves playing. So, um, so, you know, we'll, we'll buy him a drum kit. Yeah. Well, and I've said this on this show before, but, but let me take a moment. I'm feeling very generous right now. Let, let's, <laughs> okay. let's pay homage to every parent in the world that has bought their kid, you know, middle school age kid, a drum set, because that, man, that's not easy for any parent. I mean, you know, I, th- I think about my, you know, my mom, God rest her soul, but it was like five hours a day after school yeah. in the basement with the Kiss records and, and Aerosmith records just blaring, you know, and after a full day of work, any parent probably doesn't want to listen to their kid learn how to play drums for four or five hours. So, uh, you know, I I just, I think it takes a special set of parents or single parent, whatever the case may be to put up with that crap. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I a hundred percent. And, um, God, man, it's so funny because, you know, you, you think back to being a kid right? Being like a middle school kid. And I wasn't a bad kid, but we're all kind of shitty at that age, right? I mean, (laughs) we're all kind of shitty kids. And I mean, I don't even remember asking the rest of my family if it was cool if I went down in the basement and started playing. Like I just went down and played, you know? And I just like put on the headphones and play along to Nirvana or whatever. And uh, my older sister uh, was a pretty talented flautist, and uh, I mean, I guarantee I would start playing like while she was practicing. And I mean, there's no, you know, I mean, you know who's going to win that battle? Um, yeah. And but yeah, I mean, my parents were great, especially my mom, you know, because my dad worked in an office, right? So like he didn't hear me most of the time, but for sure with my mom, and like, uh, you know, th- there were times where I would kind of lose interest for a couple months and not play. And like legit, she would be like, Jeremy, I kind of miss hearing you play the drums. And I don't, I mean, I don't know if that was just her way of like saying, we spent a lot of money on these drums and you need to play. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but she would say that, you know, I'm like, okay, I'll go down and play a little bit. But yeah. And to be honest, like, I'm not sure. Like if I had a kid who came to me and was like, I want to play the drums, I would be like, are you sure? Yeah, (laughs) of course. And I mean, you know, in my case, it was, you know, I was, I I think I was uh, 12 when I got my drum set. And by the time I was 13, I was having like a house full of people over that, you know, barely knew three chords on guitar and bass and, you you know, all that stuff. The garage band stuff started and, you know, we rehearsed for hours in my mother's house, you know, either in the basement or the garage or whatever. Um, And, you know, she never said a word. She was just okay with it. And then by the time, you know, I was, uh, you know, forming, you know, my first serious band, you know, high school age, we were actually like practicing at an adult couple's home that, that, you know, had hired us to play a party or something. And they were like, hey, we've got this detached garage. If you guys want to use it for rehearsal, you can. And, you know, we look back on that now and say, if I were, you know, 38, 40 years old and a bunch of high school kids wanted to use my garage to rehearse, I'd be like, hell no, get out of here. Totally. You know what I mean? So we all live these charmed existences um, as kids with our instruments. And I, you know, I just kind of wanted to point that out. It's, it's pretty amazing the stuff we were able to get away with really. Yeah. No question. Well, it sounds like we both had good moms and yeah, since we're in December, hopefully everyone out there who, who just listened to that and was like, Oh yeah, man, my parents were pretty good about that too. You buy them something nice. Yeah. Buy them the something, holidays, you know? <laughs> yeah. Real, really, really nice. Um, they deserve it. They, they do indeed. And, you know, hopefully, you know, for those listening to this in December, if you're buying your kids a drum set, you know, and, and you've stumbled across the drum shuffle podcast, Buy yourself a nice set of noise canceling Bose headphones. It, it will yes. it will definitely save you some stress. I promise. No doubt. <laughs> so now, I, okay. So young Jeremy is you know playing drums. Did you start forming garage bands and stuff like that? You know, in your teens, or did you take a different path? Yeah, for sure. You know, I um, I continued in school band through like, uh, let's see. Well, I played through the first semester of my freshman year and then I stopped for various reasons that we can get into if you want to. So, I mean, I I played in band all through middle school and then the first year, first half year of high school. And then, yeah, by the time I was in high school, I started, yeah, like, you know, I kind of decided that like just playing in rock bands was more my thing. I mean, I took private lessons as well the whole time, but just yeah, playing in bands was kind of like what I what I wanted to do, you know, where I saw myself as a drummer. Gotcha. Now, I, as you started getting into adulthood, and I don't know this about you because we've never talked about it, but did you go off to college chasing, you know, percussion, drumming, music, that sort of thing, or you know, what got you into adulthood as a musician? I did not. I went to college, but I did not go to music school. Um, You know, I think that. uh, And I don't think that I ever 
consciously thought this so much, but, but it was more like I, I had these rock star dreams, of course, like all of us did. Um, but I think I just figured like, if that were to ever happen to me, it would be because I played in a band that just, you know, happened to have the right mix and the right people saw us and all this kind of stuff. It, it wasn't that I had planned on going to school to be a drummer to then, you know, like do the thing. Like I, I was never like, I want to move to Nashville and do sessions or anything like that. Like that was not it at all. You know, I, I went to college, I got a, a business degree. Um, I almost got a music minor, but not, but like, I don't think I ever took a performance class. It was more because, you know, like you have to fill your electives yeah. with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was like, okay, well I'm going to take this history of rock and roll class or this history of jazz class. Or, you know, I took a couple of, um, uh, you know, like, um, you know, like foundations of music or whatever stuff like that. So like, I was actually, I feel like maybe two classes away from a music minor, but really just because I, you know, I just piled up some fun classes, but, but yeah, I got a, a business degree, uh, but, you know, played in bands all through college and, you know, I mean, played in a band where we were playing, you know, like 10, 12 shows a month. So, um, you know, we were busy for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I never really thought that I was going to be a professional musician for the rest of my life. I got you. Well, so so you had something to fall back on. You you were smart about it, unlike, you know, dummies like Jamie Eads who were just like, you know, pedal to the metal, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I Damn also the- think maybe I just like I I I probably didn't work quite hard enough on my drumming either to <laughs> to think it well, was a realistic Yeah, neither did so. I. I mean, neither okay. did I, you know, I just assumed <laughs> that, that I was going to make it and it was going to be easy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I mean, I think a lot of us hear that when we're young musicians, people, you know, and I don't want to get into the get off my lawn thing here, but there's been a lot of conversation with previous guests about, you know, the valuation of art and, the people that say to you all through life, hey, you need to have something to fall back on because you're not going to make it as an actor, a dancer, a singer, a drummer, whatever the case may be. Um, you, you know, and it sounds like, you know, you went to college to get a business degree. Did any of that stuff, you know, hey, make sure you have something to fall back on. Did any of that play into that? Um, not really. You know, I just think I, I came from a family that going to college was expected. You know, it wasn't okay. an option. It wasn't one you. of those things where it was like, if you work really hard, you can get into college. It was more like you will. You're going to go to college, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, I, you know, for my first year, I went to a community college and I totally remember this. I was taking an English 101 class and we had to write some paper and um, I don't remember the specifics, but it was something like, um, you know, what are you passionate about and you, what do you want to do for a career? And I think I was writing and I was like, I've, I mean, I'm passionate about music, but I have no idea what I want to do for a career. You know, like I was just going to college, just trying to, you know, figure it out. But then it, it like I think as I was writing that paper, it sort of clicked for me. I was like, well, man, if I'm going to go to school and, you know, I was thinking about getting a business degree, 
I might as well do something music related. So if I'm not going to be a musician and I'm going to have, you know, kind of a nine to five ish job that, well, you know, why not incorporate something that I love and why not incorporate music? So, so I think that was kind of like what put me on the path to, to where I am. I got you. Okay. So, so maybe in a roundabout way, that English 101 paper that you wrote was the, uh, the, the germination of low boy custom beaters in a way, right? I mean, it's. Yeah. Yeah. Some way, you know, I, and it's back up a little bit. When I was in high school, my first job was working in a, a music store, like a musical instrument store. Um, yeah. So, so that also, you know, like just working there and just kind of, you know, I guess just being really passionate about that side of the business, sort of, you know, the, the instruments and the business side of things um, just got me really excited. And then, yeah. And, and then I think that that English 101 thing sort of, I don't know, brought everything together. Um, and yeah, absolutely set me on the path to where I am today, which is, you know, like 20 years later, but for sure. Right, right. Well, and look, I don't want to gloss anything over. So, you know, you can, you know, color this in for us, but you spent um, some time with, with Fender, I believe, uh, the, the right. large, you know, guitar, you know, kind of conglomerate. How did you end up there? Was there a step between college and, and Fender Corporation or, you know, kind of kind of walk us through some of those professional stops before the foundation of low boy. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, it's a funny story how I got to Fender. Um, so, you know, I said, I, I did that one year in community college in Saginaw where I grew up. And then I transferred to Western Michigan university in Kalamazoo. And, um, th- that first summer that I was there, I remember having a conversation with my parents about, you know, coming back home for the summer. And I was like, I don't want to go back home, man. Like I want to stay here and, you know, party and like hang out with my friends. And they said, well, okay, you can do that, but you have to get a job and you have to pay your rent, which, you know, which I, I, you know, I kind of liked working. So that wasn't such a big deal. And so, um, I, you know, since I'd worked at that music store in high school, I was like, all right, I'm going to go to a music store here in Kalamazoo and throw out my resume. And like, they're going to be all about it. And so I went to all the stores. There were like three or four music stores in town and, you know, no one was hiring. So I didn't get a job there. And then, um, the, so this is, you know, the late nineties. So I, I pulled out a phone book. Remember, remember the phone book? <laughs> okay. We, 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 we're going to have to set this up for some of our younger listeners. <laughs> right. There yeah. used to be a publication that showed up, you know, a couple of times a year and it had all the local phone numbers in it sorted alphabetically. And, so, yeah. And, and now kind of thinking back, it's amazing. Like if, you know, if you need a plumber, you just looked at plumber and like every single one was listed right there. It was, <laughs> it was great. So, so I, I think I looked up music store cause I was like, Oh, maybe there's another one that I am not aware of. And I saw, I don't know the heading. It was like musical instrument company or something like this. And I saw that, um, Dean Markley guitar strings had a factory right outside of Kalamazoo. If you're familiar with Dean Markley. Sure. Sure. And so, um, so I spent the summer, uh, making bass guitar strings. So, you know, it was was, in my mind, it was, (laughs) it was going to be awesome because I was making guitar strings, 
But, you know, in reality, it was just a factory job like any other, you know, I could have been making, (laughs) you know, car parts or or whatever. Um, But, you know, like it was kind of cool. And so I worked at Dean Markley. And then um, when that summer was over, I went back to school and needed, you know, a part time job. And there was another company in downtown Kalamazoo called Proco Sound. And most. Yeah. You know, Proco. Yeah, sure. I, I think every cable I'm talking through right now is Proco. So, oh, nice. Yeah, and I mean, a lot of rock musicians know them more because they make uh, the Rat Distortion pedal. That was kind of right. like their claim to fame. But to your point, like the majority of their business was cable. So, guitar cables, microphone cables, like big studio snakes and live performance snakes. So. Um, so all through college, I worked there. I did, you know, just kind of like worked in the sales office and marketing and just kind of like, you know, helped out with things and, you know, kind of moved my way up a little bit, but it was during college. So it was just kind of, you know, a part-time job. Um, and then, so I, I graduated and um, I was lucky enough to go to the NAM show with Proco, you know, a handful of times. And uh, one day, I don't know, it was like standing in the hallway or getting lunch or something. And this guy just kind of like grabbed my shoulder and he looked down at my badge that said Proco sound. And he said, you were two blocks away from my favorite place on earth. And I was like, I was like, Oh, okay. What's that? And he's like, well, Bell's brewery, which if you've, you know, if you're a beer connoisseur, you, you're probably familiar with Bell's, which is one of the best, you know, craft brewers in the country. And they were, you know, they were like two blocks away from our factory in downtown Kalamazoo. So his name was Ron Cronwitter, um, super good guy who worked for Fender. And uh, basically, like once I grad, oh, and uh, sorry, and, and he was like, you know, once you're done with school, um, you know, give me a call if you're interested in applying for a job at Fender or something. And so um, when I graduated, I bought a six pack from Bell's. I printed out my resume. I put them all in a box. I figured out like what the address was to the Fender headquarters in Arizona and I mailed it to him and then I got a job interview. It was smart man. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's brilliant right there. How do I make my resume stand out? Send the guy that loves Bell's two hearted ale, a six pack along with my resume, right? Yeah. And I don't think I have the balls to do it today, but back then I totally did. Like I was like, yeah, man, this is, this is the way to do it. And it was, it worked. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So did you, uh, you know, you, you got the interview at Fender. Did you end up in Arizona working for Fender? Uh, I did eventually for the, for the first year, I, I was uh, doing this pilot program on the East coast, which was basically like, um, like an old school, they call them a jobber, right? So like someone who would show up to a music store literally with like a trunk full of gear and just be yeah. like, do you need anything? Yeah. And and so they gave me this um, huge white cargo van, like with no windows, right? And it had just a bunch of shelves on the inside, just full of accessories. So no guitars or anything. It was all just, you know, strings and picks and straps and tuners and cables. And every week I would drive like 800 to a thousand miles around the East coast and just go to all these independent music stores and just, you know, like see what they needed and, 
you know, just fill up their, uh, fill up their shelves from what I had in the back of the van. Yeah. They, back in the old, um, you know, it's, it's changed a lot now, but that was back in the old kind of regional sales guy, uh, days, you know, I mean, distribution of music gear now, and I don't want to get too inside baseball here, but, but now there's really only two or three really large distributors, you know, KMC, uh, you know, uh, you know, different, different ones, but they, they literally distribute hundreds of brands into the music retailers. But back in the, back in those times, it was still, you, you had a Fender rep, you had a Ludwig rep, you, you had, you know, every brand had their own regional reps that went out to the stores. So that was kind of what you were doing, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And even sort of what I was doing of actually having the stock with me, even at that time, this early 2000s was like a throwback. You know, it was kind of like this is something they used to do, but we're going to bring them back to see how it works. And they didn't end up continuing the program. You know, like, I, I mean, I, you know, from what I remember, I hit all of my goals, right? Like I, it sort of accomplished what they wanted me to do. But I think, you know, once it kind of got up to the top and they were like, oh, we don't want to do this in, you know, 50 markets around the country. So, um, so I did that for like a year and then they discontinued that program. And then I ended up moving to Arizona to Scottsdale. And then I was a brand manager for, for their accessories division. So the same stuff that I was selling on the road, I was doing marketing and product design for, um, in Scottsdale for them. Gotcha. And, and I know you were there for quite some time. Um, I, you know, and I, again, don't want to gloss anything over, but at what point did you start thinking about, Hey, you know, I'm not a guitarist. I'm a drummer. I want to get back into that market. When did that start, you know, percolating, uh, in your head? Um, I always kind of thought that, you know, because I, I loved guitars and I really loved the Fender brand, you know, cause it's a brand with like all of these amazing stories and all these great personalities in the history, whether it's, you know, Leo Fender or all these other people who, you know, worked for the company and designed the guitars and everything. But, you know, I always felt um, like a little bit of, um, you know, like um, I was impersonating someone, you know, that I didn't really belong because I was a drummer, which I mean, wasn't really true. There were other drummers who worked there and, you know, and I knew a lot about the, about the gear and, you know, and, and I played guitar, like I was, uh, drums was always my main instrument, but I liked playing guitar, but yeah, I just, you know, always kind of felt like someday I'd like to work for a drum company. Like I'd like to get to that side of the industry and that, you know, to me would be like feeling like I made it home, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so it's really kind of like, Fast forwarding 10 years after I left Fender, because then I got into like doing web design and podcast production, which I still do. Um, but then, you know, Low Boy was, you know, what I started about six years ago. And that, you know, was really kind of like, okay, now, like I said, I, I feel like I'm home, like I'm, you know, doing drum stuff. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and you know, I mean, I, I've, you know, I kind of said at the outset, everybody should try, you know, low boy custom beaters. Um, it, it happened for me. I'll, I'll tell you my story. You know, I was always a guy that used, um, you know, either DW pedals or Ludwig pedals. You know, I mean, that was kind of my thing. I, I never really owned any other brands. And, you know, I, I the DW 5000 pedal 
you know, it comes with a, a bass drum beater that's got, you know, a little patch of felt on one side and it's hard plastic on the other, right? And I always use the hard plastic side. And I was, I think, in the studio and the the engineer that I was working with, he was like, man, he was like, that, that hard plastic beater is just, there's too much attack, too much click. You need to find you right. a wood a wooden bass drum beater. Um, and, and that just kind of stuck in the back of my mind. So I started looking around, okay. And, and there were, you know, old school, you know, Dan Marr made one, I think. I, I just can't remember everything that I, that I looked at and tried. And somehow I happened across low boy custom beaters and I ordered my first one got it and was like, holy shit, this is it right here. This is the, this is the real deal. And, you know, so, so thus began my love affair with your brand, um, and using your stuff, you know, for, for a long time now. And it's, you know, I I think some people listening are like, it's a bass drum beater. What's the big deal? (laughs) You know, I mean, it's, but a lot of stuff went into how you designed and, and, and manufactured these things. So if you don't mind, tell us all a little bit about how you approached, you know, the, the ubiquitous bass drum beater. Yeah. You know, I think I was lucky in the fact that, you know, being a drummer, obviously I, you know, I, I, understood all of the the gear that goes to a drum set but i like many other drummers hadn't really given a whole lot of thought to the beater um it really started as the idea of man you look around at the industry right now or you know six years ago and there are all of these amazing builders and companies who are making custom drums custom cymbals all, you know, beautiful, like, you know, cymbal bags and stick bags and all these other accessories, but no one really made a beater that looked cool. Um, and so the beginning of it was really like, I think it would be cool to make a wood beater that just, you know, has the style of the drums that they're going to be used with. And then, you know, as, as we got into the development, so I had a partner when I started off, his name was Chris and you know, we, once we started getting prototypes going, that's when I also realized that like, oh, you know, it's not just an issue with the looks, but we can make something that sounds better as well mm-hmm. and something that feels better. So, you know, by the time we released our first product, which was October, 2014, you know, we felt like we had kind of accomplished those three things, you know, a beater that looked better than everything else that was on the market that was more comfortable to play that felt better and also sounded better than anything out there. So, you know, it was kind of like all those three things together and that's kind of how we approached it. Well, you you know, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm one of those guys that at this point in my life, you know, I'm not going to go probably on a world tour and, and make my sole income as a drummer. I, you know, that, that ship has kind of sailed for me, you know, because I'm approaching my mid forties. Right. And, and, and right. I understand that, but for gear now, 
you know, with me, I want stuff that is very customized to me, right? I, I don't want the thing off the shelf. And what I loved was, you know, I can order a, a bass drum beater from Low Boy, and if I want it to have the colors of the Irish flag, no problem. It's going to look like an Irish flag. It'll be green, white, and orange if, if that's what I want. Um, so that's what really kind of brought me in. And then when I got it, I was like, wow, this sounds incredible. And, and now you can get them that have, you know, a leather patch, you know, so if you want that sound, um, you know, felt, whatever you want, it's just, it's really cool what you guys have done. And, you know, again, not trying to gloss anything over, but in the olden days, it was, you know, you got on your website, you placed an order and it showed up in a week or so. You guys are, you know, at Sweetwater at, you know, some of these really big, you know, gear companies now. So it's been quite a growth process over a a fairly short period of time in terms of musical instruments, right? Yeah, I think so. You know, and, and really, I I think a lot of that is just because we were the first company to recognize that hole in the market, you know, like there wasn't anything like it. So now, I mean, there, you know, there are a handful of other companies that are doing things kind of similar to us, but, uh, you know, I mean, when you talk to business experts a lot, you know, they say being first to market is really important. So You know, like uh, us getting there and getting a head start and all that other stuff. But, you know, we're also having, you know, what I think it is, a, is an amazing product, a best in class product. But, yeah, I mean, that really helped our growth a lot, um, you know, and also having amazing people who are playing our beaters like that also helps. You know, it's a it, it's something, you know, interestingly, I think it would have been much more difficult for us 10 or 15 or 20 years ago because, you know, you never really see the beater if you're right. you know, at a show or whatever. <laughs> right. Nobody you knows. Know, but yeah, nobody knows. But um, what you know is obviously still the case if you're at a show. But these days, so many people are, you know, following their favorite drummers on Instagram or on YouTube or on Facebook. And, you know, so much more is like, you know, from that throne's eye view of what's going on. So, you know, people are seeing in the videos and just in photos, like they're seeing the beater all the time. So, you know, so that, that helped us a lot to just, you know, get the word out that, you know, that we were doing something special. Yeah. Well, you are, and you know, I'm a lifelong convert and, you know, I want to set our, our next segment up just a little bit here. Um, you know, you and I had never really talked personally. I mean, I've been ordering stuff from you guys for, for a number of years, but, you know, I went on one of my, you know, social media rants, uh, you know, a couple of months back, uh, and I'm not going to mention any names here, but I kept seeing this ad in social media from a company saying, hey, we are trying to expand our artist roster. You know, if you want an in an endorsement from us, you know, email us. And it really, really pissed me off. I mean, I, it, it got, (laughs) it got my blood boiling, um, because this particular company will endorse anyone with a pulse. 
anyone. So I made a social media post basically saying, look, you know, if you don't believe me, other guys have made up fake names and got an endorsement before this company ever heard anything about their band, their playing, knew anything about them. They were just like, yep, you're endorsed. Here's our price list. Yeah. And that price list is almost always more expensive than what you can buy their crap from Amazon for. I mean, seriously. So it's really, it's, it's not an artist endorsement program as much as it is we're trying to figure out a way to sell product and we are preying on people's need for acceptance or they want to have an endorsement. They want to be able to say they have, uh, that they're endorsing this company. Um, you know, so I made a post about it and you responded to that post and you know, kind of the way I tied it up with you was, hey, I've been using your stuff for years, and I've never felt the need to bug you beyond that, right? I mean, right. I've you know, I never sent an email and said, hey, you know, I'm I'm this drummer guy, and I want to endorse your bass drum beaters because I play them. It, it, it's not how it works. And you disclosed to me at that time that you are, after six years of operation, starting to set up a, you know, formalized artist, uh, program. So I thought it would be good to jump on here and, and have a conversation with you around that. And you had asked, you know, have you ever done an episode on endorsements? And I said, well, we've talked about it, but no. So I thought you might be the best person to, to kind of have this open dialogue so that maybe we can you know, tie up this very taboo subject, misunderstood subject of endorsements. So that's a big, long-winded way to say you guys are starting a formalized artist program at Low Boy. Where do you start? Um, I started with a Google Doc of all of the drummers that I admire who have you know, somehow ended up with a beater over the last six years. Uh, you know, it, I, I just, you know, from the first person who was like, oh, that's cool that this person has one. I just started writing down this list of names. And, um, you know, so finally, just a couple of weeks ago now, I went through that list and my my goal actually was to find 30 names that, you know, I would be honored to have them playing our here. And then I thought that, you know, they would sort of like feel that same honor to play it and, you know, to, you know, not to play it, but to officially, you know, represent it. And I've actually ended up with about 50 names, um, you know, with, I mean, hopefully at least 30 of them say, yes, we'll see, you know, because I, I know, <laughs> right. you know people, people have their reasons, even if they're playing something to not, you know, not enter into an official relationship. Um, but yeah, I just kind of started with like, all right, these are all the people who I, whose drumming I love and who I know have, you know, been pretty much exclusively playing our beaters and I'm just going to reach out to them and just see, you know, what they think. Well, I, I mean, I think that's a great place to start, but the key word that you used in there that I, that I'm going to focus in on now <laughs> okay, is relationship. Okay. So many people reach out to me, you know, I, I, 
endorse a few companies. You know, I endorse Dream Symbols, uh, Lost Cabos Drumsticks, um, you know, TNR products, uh, Vratum, you know, the drumming shoes, great products there, big fat snare drum. I have some relationships with companies, uh, you know, whose gear I use exclusively and I love all their stuff. But so many people will drop me an email and say, Hey, I want an endorsement from Dream Symbols. And the first thing I always say is you're not getting an endorsement from you're the you're the person giving the endorsement to that's that's how that language works um and people just assume that i get all this shit mailed to me every week for free they just assume that you know if if i need a whole new symbol set up i send a text message someplace and it just shows up and that's not how this stuff works you have to have something to offer to any company that you're going to endorse. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. They think, hey, I'm a really good drummer. My band is out on the road, you know, 15 days a month or, or you know, 200 days a year, whatever the case may be. And they just assume that they need to get free stuff because of that. And that's really not how it works. So I'll let you kind of respond to that. Yeah, 100%. You know, I mean, I think in the old days, and so, you know, we're both about the same age, right? Like early, I say early 40s, maybe mid 40s. Um, yeah, it sucks. So, you know, for us, the old days are like 80s and 90s, right? Like that's when I think back to like when I first started playing and I read Modern Drummer Magazine and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, back in those days, I think it was almost more of a relationship like you're talking about in some ways where it's like, all right, this person is in a huge band and as a gear manufacturer, I am going to give them a bunch of free stuff or ridiculously discounted stuff so that my products will be seen on stage with them. And then, you know, sort of in return, I get to use their name and image in a, you know, a full page ad in Modern Drummer. And that's, you know, that's kind of the relationship, right? Yeah. And we're a company who you know, we grew up on social media as a company, right? And so, you know, we don't do ads in Modern Drummer. You know, we don't do like print ads like that. So for us, it's a, it's much more of like a, um, you know, an ongoing relationship. Like for example, one of the things I've been talking to these artists about is every quarter, I want to be able to team up on, one piece of content that we can both share, you know, on our social media accounts. And, you know, it might just be like, Hey, let's, you know, do a, a live stream video. And, you know, I just want to catch up with you. See like, Oh, you know, your band has a new album out. You're going to hit the road. Hopefully when bands are hitting the road again, Um, (laughs) you know, these are all the things that are going on. Or, you know, it could be where they want to do a video that highlights our beaters or whatever it is, but it's really something where like, you know, 
our, our brands, because, you know, I, mean, I, I, I sort of cringe when I say that, you know, our brands, because it almost feels like it detracts from the art of what musicians are doing. But the fact is, is that, you know, they are brands, right? You know, at least they have like this personal branding kind of a thing going on. And so, you know, it's like, well, what can we do as two different brands to team up that helps both of us in a big way, right? Like hopefully it helps us sell more beaters because, you know, someone's like, oh, so-and-so is one of my favorite drummers and he plays low boy. I got to give him a shot. And then, you know, what we're giving them in return, in addition to, you know, like good deals on gear, that's certainly still a part of it is, you know, just more of a spotlight on them as far as their drumming, the artists they play with, the bands that they're in, you know, like what they've got going on. So, I mean, you know, really the goal is just kind of like this never ending cycle of, you know, you promote us, we promote you and, you know, we'll just kind of keep going forever like that. Does that make sense? It does. And that's the way it should work. Right. I mean, uh, and, and, you know, you mentioned the old days, you know, the late eighties, early nineties, there's a key component missing from the formula that worked back then. And that is MTV. When people actually watched MTV and people, artists actually made videos promoting their music. It just really doesn't exist anymore in that way. I mean, I can tell you as a young drummer, you know, my goal in life was to have a Pearl drum set because all my favorite drummers at that time were playing Pearl drums. It was like, oh my God, I've got to have one of those. Well, not to take anything away from Pearl or, or any manufacturer for that matter, it was, you know, they were just everywhere. They were on MTV, the ads. And, you you know, you mentioned a full page ad in Modern Drummer. I mean, that's not cheap. That's, you know, seven or eight thousand no. bucks a month. You know, yes. I mean, it's it's expensive. Um, you know, so it, it's just it's a different world now. And I can say with all authority and I'm probably disclosing too much about my personal situation But the relationship that I have with my companies that I'm associated with, that I endorse their product, it's almost as much about the people as it is about the gear. I love the gear, don't get me wrong. And that's why we first talked about, you know, starting a relationship. But, you know, my guys at Dream Symbols and, and Lost Cabos Drumsticks, I consider them personal friends. And it's like, you know, even if, you know, their quality control were to drop off, I'd still use their stuff because they're my friends. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And, you know, and it's the same, you know, with me as a flip side, you know, where, I mean, you know, one of the drummers who, even before we're doing this official thing, you know, we've had a lot of like unofficial relationships with people who play our stuff. And, you know, one of the drummers who I've gotten the closest with is Scott Amendola. Do you know, do you know Scott? Sure. I know Scotty. Yeah. You know, I mean, just like one of the best jazz drummers in the world. And, you know, so I've known him for, I don't know, four or five years or so. And, 
you know, like we're texting each other all the time, just about random stuff. And, you know, of course there's always like drum talk in there, but at the same time, it's like, you know, how's the family, you know, what's going on? You know, he lives in Berkeley and I live in Denver. So it's like, oh, you know, what's, you know, what, what's going on with the <laughs> lockdown? Like, well, you right. know, are your grocery stores open? All this kind of stuff, you know, like, I mean, I, I feel like we legitimately have a friendship and I, I don't expect that with all of these people that I'm going to be working with, but I want to work with people that I like as a person, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and it's kind of like, um, you know, I mean, and you've heard this too, where like, if you're a drummer looking for gigs, you know, they say that the hang is as important as your skill, right? Cause like there's a million great drummers out there, but people want to be on the road with people who they can hang with. Right. Yep. And, you know, and that's the same kind of thing, you know, like there are so many talented drummers in really amazing bands, but man, if there are, <laughs> you know, someone proves to be difficult to work with, um, you know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to work with them. Like, I'll give you one example and I'm not going to name a name on this. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, I mean, throughout the six years we've been in business, of course, we've had discussions with drummers and there have been people who I've given discounts to, or even, you know, like given free beaters to, that's just kind of how it goes. And, um, when we first started, I reached out to someone who is like, you know, an A-list drummer plays with big artists, ridiculously talented, has, you know, a big YouTube and Instagram following, you know, like kind of a, you know, like a perfect artist in a lot of ways. And, you know, I sent a couple messages. I was like, Hey, you know, we're this new company. I would love to, you know, send you a beater just to check out and never heard back, never heard back. Right. And so then, I don't know, it was like six months or a year later, I get an Instagram DM and it's this drummer and he had someone, you know, holding his phone, filming him and the DM just started with him behind the drum set. And it was just like this huge, like monster fail. It's like, <laughs> and then he looked at the camera and he's like, I've been trying to get a hold of these low boy guys for months and no one's getting back to me. Oh, and wow. That was like the entire message. Right. And I was like, well, geez, that's weird because I've actually been the one who's reaching out to him, but I didn't yeah. hear him back. Um, you know, when I said, well, I'm going to reach out to him. Cause you know, like, I, I don't know, you know, maybe he legitimately tried to email us and went to spam, like who knows. And so I reached out, you know, and like had a good conversation with him. And then, you know, he, long story short is that he wanted something that was going to kind of like take us a while to build. It was like super custom. And I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this for you. And you know, like it maybe took a little bit longer than it should have, but you know, like he was sending me all these messages with like all this attitude about how long these beaters were taking. And I don't remember if we were giving him the beaters for free or just a good discount, but you know, like that kind of turned me off. I was like, all right, dude, just, you know, we're, we're doing the best that we can. And then I finally sent them out and, you know, like didn't really hear back from him at all. And then a few months after that, I noticed that he had posted on Instagram playing with some beaters that were that looked just like ours, but from a different company, you know, like, uh, uh, like an yeah. Asian company that was ripping us off. And all of these people came to our defense and they were like, dude, those look just like low boy beaters. Like, you know, why are you playing those? Why aren't you playing the real thing? And he got like really, 
you know, he got this big attitude about it that was basically like, you know, you don't think that that two people could have the same exact idea at the same time and just, you know, come up with, you know, bring this product to market. I was like, dude, we've been doing this for like three years at this point. Like there's no way that they didn't just completely rip us off. Long story short is that at this point, I'm like, this is someone who I do not want on my artist roster. You know, like it doesn't matter how good of a drummer he is, what his following is like, you know, and maybe he has great relationships with other companies, but him and I just didn't click. Right. Yeah. Like there was just the, and it seemed to be both ways. So for me, it's like, I would much rather have someone who, you know, has a much lower profile, but is ready to, you know, have the kind of partnership and the kind of relationship that I'm looking for instead of someone like that, you know? Absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I see so many um, folks that reach out to a company and, you know, they, they may, yeah. uh, you know, apply and get, get a no and that's okay. But, you know, it, that company may not be looking for new endorsers right now. They, um, you know, maybe their artist roster is full or maybe that, you know, that musician isn't quite up to the level they need at that particular point. And I see so many of them, you know, then say, well, screw those guys. I'm going to use the competitor's product. And, you know, I've had no's over the years, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I still use their stuff. And that's how this is supposed to work, I think. Um, I, you know, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, 100%, you know, um, and I'll get people who, who reach out to us who will, you know, there's... There's sort of this pretty standard series of messages, you know, where I can tell someone's about to ask for an endorsement, you know, because they'll just reach out and be like, hey, man, I really love your stuff. Just wanted to say I love it. I'm like, oh, cool. Thank you so much, man. Thanks for reaching out. And they'll be like, yeah, I play this kind of music. You know, what do you recommend? And, you know, I'll kind of like give them, you know, like, oh, you play metal. So you probably want to do, you know, our wood beaters or whatever. And I give them advice. And then usually by the third or fourth message, you know, it's like, oh, are you guys, you know, offering any endorsements right now? And, you know, when I say no, that's usually where the conversation ends, you know, and I don't see an order coming from them. Or, you know, once in a while, I'll even have people who their heart is in the right place, even though it comes off as a little weird. Well, they'll say something like, well, that's OK, man, I'll probably, you know, like still play your stuff. <laughs> and and it's like, well, yeah, you know, yeah. if. if if your main goal, your main goal should be to be the best drummer that you can and to make the best music that you can. And therefore you want the best tools possible to achieve these goals. Then you should be playing what you like the best. Like you should be playing what gives you the tone that you want or that feels the right way to you. So, you know, like, you shouldn't have to have uh, an official relationship with every single company who has something on your drum set. Right. You know, like play what you love. And then hopefully at some point the, you know, the stars or the planets will line up to where then that company is like, Oh, you know, this person has, has something to offer me and we have something to offer them. So, you know, let's take this to the next level. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, that's kind of what I said in my big social media rant. I was like, you know, play right. what you love. And if you have something to bring to the table, reach out and say so. And if they're interested, they'll pursue that. The company will pursue that. They'll say, hey, here's my artist application. Or, you know, what can you bring to the table for the company? You know, how can you help me sell more product? And, you know, all of that stuff is very important. Don't get me wrong. But at the end of the day, you know, I think drummers especially divide up into these camps of I'm a Pearl guy or I'm a DW guy or I'm a Tama guy or whatever the case may be. And then they war back and forth. At the end of the day, these are tools, right, to accomplish, uh, you know, an end to the means. How do I make music? And, you know, for me, I view all of my gear as as tools. You know, they, they are meant to be played. I don't have anything that's on display in the house. I play everything I own, but I want to play the things that inspire me. And if I love it enough and I feel like I have something to offer, I'll reach out to a company and say so. And that's where my relationships have come from. And they're wonderful relationships. And, you know, the very first guest I ever had on this podcast was my A&R guy from Dream Symbols, you know, yeah. Brian LaRue. And Brian and I have such a relationship, you know, I found out kind of after the fact that he's a big Harry Potter fan. And so is my daughter. So hmm. I think my daughter actually hears from my A&R guy at Dream Symbols more often than I do. How cool is that? <laughs> that's great. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's the kind of relationship you want to have with your gear companies. And I, I want to dispel the myth as well. Right now, you're not getting free gear. If your last name is not Gad, right. Grohl, okay, uh, Erskine, you have to be the dude to get free stuff. You're not getting free stuff. It's just For not sure. happening. Okay. Um, so to those of you out there that might email, you know, someone and say, Hey, can you send me some free stuff? I will save you the trouble of typing out that email. It ain't happening. Yeah. And you know, and it will probably hurt your chances in the future to yes. get discounted stuff, <laughs> you know? Um, you know, so yeah, you just made me think of this, like, can I give you an example of someone who has done things the right way with us? Absolutely. Okay. So, um, Steve Lyman, who is a ridiculously talented jazz drummer, you familiar with, with his stuff? I have heard the name and maybe I'm just blanking, but, but keep going. Look him up on Instagram. He's an amazing jazz drummer and he reached out to us probably, I mean, four or five years ago at this point. And he had, I think, just started posting some videos on Instagram, like, you know, probably just shot with his phone, right? With like the phone camera and phone microphone. And he was uh, teaching drumming at a college level. And like, you know, I could tell like ridiculously talented drummer right? Like really talented guy, obviously to teach, you know, at a college level, you have to be really good. And, you know, he reached out and I, you know, and I, and I think, I think we had sort of the endorsement 
talk at first. He was like, you know, is this something you guys do? And I was like, yeah, you know, no, hopefully at some point we'll have an official program. I didn't think it'd be like five years later, but, um, you know, (laughs) that's the case. And so, you know, he's like, no worries. I really want to get one of your beaters. Let's talk about, you know, which of your varieties would work best for me. So we had that conversation and, you know, we decided which one would work best. He purchased a beater and, you know, like really liked it and always used it. Right. So it would be in his videos. And it was like over the years, the quality of his videos on Instagram got better and better. You know, he upgraded his cameras and his audio gear and all this stuff. And, you know, and and we would repost his videos. So we kind of had this like unofficial thing, right? Like he would make sure that people could see our beaters in his video and we would repost them for them. So for him, so, you know, we had this relationship and then, you know, all of a sudden I saw that he announced that he had been invited to, to do, um, some, some shoots at Drumeo. <coughs> oh, there you like, go. Oh. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, I mean, at that point, then I reached back out to, you know, we'd always like, you know, had a casual relationship. And at that point, you know, I reached back out and I was like, Hey man, like I would love to, you know, if you need it, if you feel like maybe the beater that you have is, you know, like getting old or whatever, like I'd love to build you a new beater that you can have in the Dromeo shoot. He's like, I would love it. So we did, we sent him a beater and, you know, it's all over these Dromeo videos, which for us is amazing, right? Because it's like, this is a, you know, Dromeo has amazing quality videos. The audio is amazing. So people can hear what the beater sounds like. And it's, you know, it's everything that we want as a company. It's, you know, it's how we want our gear to be highlighted. And so, you know, he did that. And then he, um, also came in as the number two up and coming drummer in the 2020 modern drummer readers poll. There you which go. Was amazing. And then he got invited back to another Drumeo shoot, right? So our beaters were all over that again. And then, you know, in the meantime, like he is upgraded to the fact where like, I mean, he's putting out videos from his home that are almost the same quality as like what you're going to get on Drumeo. Like it's really amazing stuff. Yeah. And so obviously he is one of these people who we've invited to be in our artist program and, you know, and he's accepted that. And so it's like, you look at this, I mean, this is like a, a four or five year relationship that we've had with him that has just like taken these tiny little steps the whole way. And, you know, he's grown as a drummer at like the same pace as we've grown as a company. And we both started as just, you know, like we're a tiny little shop and he's, you know, teaching drums in Utah to all of a sudden, like, you know, he moves to New York and he's living in Manhattan, I think, or Brooklyn and, we're bigger. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, dude, we can like do some damage together. Like we can have a real relationship where both of us are helping each other on this really high level. And, and that's, you know, having all of these years behind us is like just going to, you know, help that even more, I think. So that's to me, like that's the perfect way to have, you know, to build a relationship like that with a company. You took the words out of my mouth. That's the way this is supposed to work, you know? And, and I just, you know, I, I just think so many people have the wrong idea and they don't understand how, you know, how these relationships evolve over time, you know, and 
I can only say in my case, you know, I think probably a lot of people might suspect, well, you endorse these companies because you have the Drum Shuffle podcast. And it's, you know, I, I think it's a fairly popular drumming podcast. All of my endorsements um, that that I signed, all of those artist uh, agreements that I signed were before I ever recorded my first episode. And right. back in those days, I was playing a whole lot more. You know, I was, you know, doing 100, 130 dates a year, um, doing tons and tons of session work as well. You know, I, I'm a lot quieter now as a drummer, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. You know, I I, I quit drinking three years ago. I, I got out of the bars for a little while. Um, you know, but what I'm trying to get at is if you legitimately have some influence amongst other drummers, these companies are willing to work with you and, hey, use our gear. We'll give you a discount, but you have to give something back. And that's the hard part that I, I think, you know, I fail at as a drummer. You know, I'm not out doing 150 dates a year anymore. Nobody is, right? right. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, Beyond that, I'm just not out there touring the way I did five years ago. I'm just not, um, you know, so it's, you just have to always be thinking in that equation of what do I have to offer? Am I going to be in front of a lot of people? Do I have the social media following? What can I bring to the table to the company before you just reach out and say, hey, Jeremy, I want some free bass drum beaters because I'm rad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, so, um, well, I, I appreciate you being so open and honest about this because I think, you know, so, so many companies, it's, it's, they, they don't advertise what they're looking for because it changes all the time. Yeah. And th there is no set metric. You know, some applications will be how many Instagram and Facebook followers do you have? Some of the applications are how many records have you recorded in the last five years? Some companies are more focused on educators, you know, meaning how many students are you teaching each semester? Sure. It really depends on the company, but it always comes down to it's a two way street and building a relationship with an honest-to-God human being. That's where this stuff starts. Yeah, 100%. I could not have said that better myself. You know, so, well, I appreciate you coming on and, and, and being so open and honest about it and, you know, kind of helping us do the endorsement, um, you know, uh, conversation. Let's call it that. Now, before we wrap up, I want to be respectful of your time, but before we wrap up and, and end our interview, what's next for Jeremy? You know, what's next for you and Lowboy? Do you have, you know, new stuff that you're working on? Um, and, and then after you answer that, tell everybody where they can find you and your stuff and social media and all that good stuff. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that we're working on that, you know, like I kind of have to keep keep a secret for now. But, you know, I, I think that our goal as a company 
is to really continue focusing on bass drum beaters and, you know, like maybe branch out in a couple different accessory products like, um, you know, for example, last year we came out with a product called the power switch, which replaces the, the set screw on your, on your, um, foot pedal, right. That holds the beater in because now of course, you know, you have to find a drum key and, and, um, you know, loosen that to, to swap out your beater and put a new one in. So we, we came up with this product called the power switch, which is kind of works on like a ratcheting design. So it, it's a, it's a thumb screw that fits into, you know, that tight space on your pedal. So you can just, you know, flip it back, take your beater out, put a new one in and tighten it down. So, you know, we're always looking for kind of clever things like that, but I mean, really it's like just concentrating more on beaters and, you know, my goal is to just have something for everyone, depending on what the tone is that you want to achieve. Like I want to have something that we can offer you. And so, you know, whether that means different materials or, you know, different shapes or, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, we're always just kind of tinkering around with stuff like that. Um, you know, in 2021, I think really a big focus is going to be this artist program that we talked about, you know, just for me personally, I think, and, you know, of course we, we only made a couple of passing references to the fact that we're in this a middle of a freaking pandemic right now. <laughs> and, yeah. um, to me, I think that, that really kind of like made me realize how much I appreciate people who make a living playing music and, you know, people who spend, you know, two or 300 nights a year on the road to like drive into Denver and, you know, play at a theater for a couple thousand people or just a club for a couple hundred people. And, you know, part of this artist thing is like, all right, man, when you guys are back on the road, I want to be there to support you as much as I can, you know? So I I think there's going to be a big focus on that. on just like putting a spotlight on the relationships that we have with the drummers playing our stuff. Um, you know, so it's a little bit of product and kind of more just getting the word out. Um, and yeah, as far as, as far as where to find us, um, you know, our website is lowboybeaters.com. You can go in there and you can design your own custom beater um, and purchase it from our website. We also have a bunch of amazing retailers around the country and around the world who sell our stuff. You know, everyone from Sweetwater to Chicago Drum Exchange to Revival Drum Shop in Portland, Lone Star Percussion, you know, Philadelphia Drum and Percussion, just tons and tons of great independent shops. Um, and then just, you know, as far as getting more info, our website and, you know, Instagram mostly at lowboybeaters.com is where we're most active. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that, that I failed to mention, um, that, that I, I'm going to toot your horn for you here. Um, so, you know, not only do you go to the website and order this, this stuff is all made right there in Denver, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, so it's not like you're ordering from some, you know, Jeremy's not a figurehead and he sends your order off to Asia or, or wherever. And then, you know, it's on a slow boat to be imported into the States. Um, you know, if you order a custom beater, somebody is doing that by hand in Denver, Colorado. So, um, you know, anything you want to add to that, Jeremy? No, yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, it's, 
currently it's, it's me, you know, I'm, as soon as we get off the phone, I'm going to run upstairs out to the shop and, you know, like paint some stripes or, you know, turn on the laser engraver and, you know, engrave a few beaters and glue some rods in. So yeah, it's, it's all getting done by hand right here in Denver. So that's, the, I think that was the big thing for me. Not only is it a great product, but I was like, wow, you know, th- this is the the quintessential small business, USA made. Um, it, it, you, you guys just make amazing stuff. So, um, and, and as I jokingly said to you, you know, a couple of weeks back when we were trying to schedule this, it's time for a new order. So... <laughs> So I've got a new kit that's being built right now. So I got to get some beaters to match, right? Because that's what Absolutely. I do. Yeah, man, so, no doubt about it. So we're, we're, we're going to work on that as soon as we wrap this up. But uh, Jeremy, thank you so much. You're welcome here on this podcast anytime. Um, and real quick, before we let you go, get a plug in for Sounds uh, From Below, your podcast. Oh yeah, we have a podcast called Sounds from Below that I am um really bad at uh producing on a regular basis. So it's been <laughs> it's been a couple of months since we've had an episode. Um but you know, it's it's it, uh, very different from from this where it's just kind of like a loose conversation like what, you know, what we're doing are kind of these like tightly produced almost like NPR style shows where there's different segments and you know, different drummers coming on and telling stories and you know, just, um, I don't know, it, just talking drums. Um, so yeah, that's also at our website. It, it's lowboybeaters.com slash below. So there you go, guys. There's another podcast to listen to. It's not every day that a podcaster will be like, here's another podcast you should listen to that's <laughs> on the exact same subject as mine. So, <laughs> but hey, we've got really a lot of time is. on our hands these days. So I think people can listen to both. We, we exactly so so make sure you check out low boy uh custom beaters uh it's lowboybeaters.com jeremy man you're welcome here anytime we got to do it again thank you so much brother absolutely thanks jamie man this is fun all right we'll talk to you real soon sounds good all right see you. all right guys and girls that's gonna wrap up episode 120 of the drum shuffle podcast As I do each and every week, I'm going to ask you to uh, subscribe, hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you use to listen in to the drum shuffle. Um, If you are new to the show, please bear in mind, this was episode 120. We have a ton of episodes uh, with great guests from over the last three years that uh, I invite you and encourage you to listen to uh, as we are about to embark on our Christmas break. Uh, This will be our last episode until January 6th, I believe. Uh, We'll be back in the new year. Uh, And here I am wishing each and every single one of you happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Uh, But go ahead and hit the subscribe button. Check out some of those back episodes if you have the time over the holidays. A sincere thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in week in and week out. 2020 has been just an incredibly difficult year for musicians, and I certainly appreciate you guys uh, sticking tight with me uh, through this year, Uh, especially since nobody's really out there on the road touring. I really do appreciate it. We answer every single email that we get here at the Drum Shuffle. Our email address is the Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com. 
our web address is thedrumshuffle.com. And of course, you can always find more information about me over at jamieeds.com. Again, thanks to each and every one of you for tuning in. We certainly appreciate that. So until the new year, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. 